0: Gamers Anonymous, episode 160, March Gamer Madness. We'd like to thank our Patreon backers for helping us bring you an ad-free episode. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron. But with better lip syncing, find out more at DicetowerNetwork.com. Welcome to Board Game Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the outrageous, insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris, and this is Anthony. Anthony, I am pumped. This is March Gamer Madness. I look forward to this time each and every year. This is really my favorite podcast episodes.
1: Yeah, I have to say episodes because there's too much content, you guys. It spills over. It's, it's mad. Like Three week extravaganza.
0: <laughs> well, it's basically what we do at the table normally, which is talk about games. But this time, we found a particular interesting gamer type of way of doing it. And Anthony, and I've been doing this for so long now. It's it's good that we actually found a new twist. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is
1: the third or fourth year we've done this, and every year we try to have a unique theme. Uh, to spin out of it. So this year we're doing components.
0: Yeah, I was watching Facebook and a a number of the different groups and particularly Kickstarter publishers asking questions of gamers about how much would you pay based upon the particular component? So if you got their base game, which is cards or just paper components, would you pay X? But would you pay X plus a little bit more if it had wood components? Well, what about plastic components? Would you play... X plus X on top of which. And it was interesting to see the conversations had about that. And in particular, it's not always about the components so much, at least as far as would you buy a game or what certain amount of money would you pay. It's about the components and how innovative, how integral, and how interesting are they in any particular game that you're playing. You know, really what we have as far as the gameplay is concerned is ourselves, our minds, the the people at the table, but specifically about the gamer components there. And that makes a lot of the experience really... So for this March Gamer Madness, we're going to take a look at the components and judge the games and make those determinations with your help based upon those specific components. So it may not be the greatest component ever, this totally etched out plastic miniature that has like a million cuts to it. It just may be a component that is utilized in such a way that really makes the game outstanding in comparison to the other one. All right, so let's not waste any more time. Let's get to the brackets and let's talk about the first bracket, Anthony. So we have on our first matchup here, probably one of the most interesting ones because it is in our paper bracket. And in particular, our cards. So cards make up so much of gaming. And what I did here was pick the games that really the cards made up the vast majority of the game. They're really what you think about when you think about the game. And they're used in really interesting ways when you play those games. So first up, we have our number one, Seven Wonders Duel, versus our number 16, Word Slam. What do you think? I mean, it's tough because Word Slam
1: is only the cards right yes but seven wonders duel is one of the best card games ever made (laughs) so yeah i don't know seven wonders duel is pretty amazing and it's i mean it takes the idea of these cards from seven wonders and it does a little bit new and unique with it because you you know the different layouts and the way the cards interact and the tableau that you have that you're drafting from word slam is i mean it's word slam and it's while the cards are important you could also just throw them all on the table and do it that way so i don't know that I don't know how close this one is.
0: Duel's great because I, I love Seven Wonders. And as you said, having these different combinations where the ca- some cards are hidden, which is great, and some cards are visible. So you have to really make tactical decisions as you go on. Plus, the military action in this game is a lot better than in Seven Wonders because you're just not building up a random number of shields and swords. You're actually playing tug of war a little bit. So you have the cards, you have these kind of nice setup here, And just having those different kind of combinations of like this kind of pyramid, diamond, symbol, shape, you know, hidden and revealed is great. Word Slam is great, too, because I don't like to play charades where I have to jump up and get down. But it's really great to have these little cards to kind of put together different expressions. And you get a lot out of that deck. It's a pretty large deck, but you really do get a lot out of it. I'm liking both of these a lot, but it is a number one matchup versus a number 16. And for good reason— Seven Wonders Duels up there. And just because it it's innovative for me as far as having some of those cards hidden, having some of those cards revealed, and based on what you pick, it opens up other avenues... That's my choice, Seven Wonders Duel. So Seven Wonders Duel moves on to the next round. All right, so for our second round, we have our number two seed, Seven Wonders, versus our number 15 seed, Legendary Encounters, and alien deck-building game. So what are you thinking here? Uh, it's, another,
1: it's actually a little bit harder um, because both of these games are just basically only cards uh, with a few other components mixed in. And while Seven Wonders Duel is an amazing, brilliant card game, Seven Wonders is, for me personally, a good card game. <laughs> um, and alien deck building game is the only version of Legendary I actually enjoy. So, I don't know. I'm kind of uh, I'm on the fence on this one.
0: Yeah, Seven Wonders, at least what the cards do are interesting, is obviously it's a lot about set collection. So, putting those different science sets, the culture sets, the gold sets together, the, obviously the military sets are interesting. And the artwork in these cards are great they're really invocative, and you're drafting here so the cards do play an active role in the game the entire time because you're moving cards shuffling them back and forth you're obviously hate drafting so you're throwing some cards under your seven wonders you know civilization that's a lot of fun too and I, you know we thought we thought card drafting was going to be the big thing i know we just talked about it recently on our patreon backed episode but seven wonders kind of like is the industry standard for that card drafting, which is just such a great, great part of gaming. I do agree with you as far as Legendary Encounters is concerned. It is my favorite version of this. The Marvel version just kind of was lackluster as far as giving you a consistent game experience. I like how the cards come out. they They move around from the different areas on the board. And obviously... The artwork, you know, it's an it's an artistic impression of the movies, which is pretty good. So you don't have to have those lame old kind of screenshots. But I'm going to say just by the fact that you can hate draft with the cards and dump those cards so that your opponents can't get those. And the fact that you are actually passing those cards around and sometimes hoping you get those cards back. It just does a little bit more for me than having those cards out in a display and doing some deck building.
1: Yeah, but we already have Seven Wonders duel. So <laughs> okay. I'm gonna mix
0: things up. I'm gonna say Legendary Alien. All right. So that means we go to our tiebreaker. What does our audience have to say about this? Oh Seven Wonders by like a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like two, to, two to one. It's
1: not it's not even close. But but enough people voted for legendary that
0: I don't feel left out. Okay. It's a great game. All right, so our number two seed Seven Wonders moves on to the next round. All right, next up is f- our. <clears throat> All right, so next up is our third seed, First Class versus our fourteenth seed, Mysterium. Uh, this is a tough one, seating
1: wise. I really like First Class. I mean, it's basically the card game version of Russian Railroads, and the way you kind of add those cards along to your to build out your railroad and the way the kind of tableau builds and the multiple directions you're moving. It's really, really interesting. And the fact that like you look at it on the table and it seems like this big complex convoluted game, but in the end, it's really just about those cards and that tableau. And it's relatively easy to teach and relatively quick to play. On the other hand, Mysterium, which I'll admit is not my favorite game in the world. I'm just not a big deduction type of guy, but the cards are everything in that game because I mean, like any Dixit, type approach it's the artwork and the interaction with the artwork and how you use those cards so this is a tough one
0: yeah i like these games both very much mysterium is so much fun i i really do love dixit i collect so many of those different dixit cards and mysterium is a game that i get to the table regularly i really like playing the ghosts and having the opportunity to play out these really fantastic works of art to the table and try to communicate messages through them is excellent Having that huge kind of DM player board is a lot of fun. And you could put those cards into the slot behind it. It's, it's really, it's really such a dynamic kind of experience. It's a little hard on the setup because you're constantly trying to match everything up. It takes a little bit long on, the, on that side. First class is really interesting because the cards in this game, basically, when you open the box, you're just getting a bunch of cards. You're not getting a board, you're not getting some mock-up train. You're actually making the train with the cards. And then when you pick up additional cards, those cards could be added as passengers, added as additional parts to the train, give you additional victory points, give you extra bonuses. And that's a lot of fun. The cards do a lot of different things and are just not a set collection or a point scoring thing, but it actually builds a train, and that's amazing. So for me, I'm going to go with first class. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think... uh... It's really tough for me. I think in this case, just because, and, and we don't have Dixit here on the list, and because the artwork is so important and it's all just based on those cards, I'm going to go with Mysterium. All um, right. So we got another tiebreaker here. Anthony, what does our audience have to say about this? It's another blowout. But in this case, the lower seed comes out on top. Mysterium.
0: Wow. Like, like five to one. So. That's incredible. All right, so the number 14 seed overtakes the number 3 seed and moves on to round 2. All right, next up is our number 4 seed, Castles of Burgundy, The Card Game, versus our number 13 seed, Cosmic Encounter. What do you got, Anthony? Uh, This is really easy for me. Sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's two parts here. Castles of Burgundy, The Card Game, is a fantastic implementation of the mechanics of Castles of Burgundy, and it is just a single deck of cards. And so you can put it in your pocket. Awesome. Cosmic Encounter is a game <laughs> in which you generally just make each other angry. Okay. And either one or six people win. And the cards are part of it, but not all of it. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think you know which way I'm leaning.
0: So, Castles of Burgundy the Card Game, as you mentioned, is a great implementation or re-implementation of the Castles of Burgundy the board game. What's interesting here is you don't have dice, which is such a big part of the board game, but the deck of cards actually act as dice. So the cards can act as different set collections that you can do. They can act as different areas that you can kind of build upon, but they can also act as different dice in the game. And that's so brilliant. You have this little deck of cards in this tiny box, and it doesn't seem like much of a game. And you get to the table, and you're like kind of blown away like, wow. This does everything the Castles of Burgundy does and in a respect, and it does it really quick and fast. Cosmic Encounter is really interesting because what you're looking at here, as far as the cards are concerned, is there's a lot of different cards here. So you're going to have power cards, you're going to have modifiers, diff- different flare cards. They're going to give you special abilities based upon the alien races that are in play. And then the big alien cards are really a lot of fun because you got – truly interesting beautiful alien looking artwork here and it's not the traditional you know basic alien with just some random things stuck on his head or a random color these aliens do look interesting and alien and there's a lot of good information the cards are big they're easy to read and the destiny deck that's played with this game is i think one of the best things as far as you know almost like a take that type of game could ever have because You're not picking a a specific opponent to attack. You're letting this Destiny deck tell you who you have to attack. So there's no hard feelings when you're attacking the same person, (laughs) at least early on throughout the game, because the deck made you do that. So both of these are great. I think as much as I do love the cards here, wow, it's really hard. It's, It's basically for me, it's the Destiny deck versus the Dice deck in Castles of Burgundy. Both are great here, but I think I'm going to go along with Anthony here and say Castles of Burgundy, the card game, because I think Anthony makes a very good point. The destiny deck is amazing. Great invention here, but it can lead one person to win like in round three, (laughs) or if you're player six, you don't get to play at all. So that destiny deck either works great or doesn't work at all. And That's why the Castles of Burgundy, the card game, moves on to the next round. All right, next up we have number five, Glory to Rome versus number 12, Citadels. What's so interesting about Glory to Rome is it's one of those rare card games that the cards are used for multiple things in the gameplay. So they're used as money, they're used as resources, they're used as buildings. That's a lot of dynamic fun. This game has had multiple versions, both cartoony and black box version. Really an interesting game. Sidels, on the other hand, is a another building game, but it uses social deduction in a particular way in which you're picking different roles that are going to allow you to build, defend your different buildings, get money and even knife people in the back. So a little bit of everything here as far as building a different civilization. So, Anthony, which civilization are you looking to build here?
1: I think the better implementation of cards because cards can do so many different things. And that can be seen by the fact that this particular system has also been used in multiple other games, either games that he, him, the designer of Glory to the Rome, has built himself, like Matine, or just complete ripoffs like all the games we've seen on Kickstarter that are kind of like Glory to Rome. So I'm going to go with Glory to Rome based on uh, pedigree and just ingenuity it alone.
0: Yeah, I really do enjoy Citadels as far as picking that particular roll card. To determine what's going to happen as far as all those other cards are concerned but glory to the rome is a grail game for so many people because the cards in the game are used in so many different ways that it really set a trend in the industry and i'm still desperately searching out the black box version so glory to rome moves on to the next round all right up next is our number six seed saint petersburg versus our number 11 seed lord of the rings the card game Now, St. Petersburg's is a really interesting economic game in which you are playing over four different rounds in order to pick up people that are going to give you money, pick up buildings that are going to give you victory points, and then finally be able to pick up different really famous powerful people that are going to score you the vast majority of the points in the game, and then a randomized deck that's going to kind of advance and upgrade your previous people. Now. The difference here is when you look at Lord of the Rings, a card game, you're looking at one of Fantasy Flight's best LCGs. Whether you play it solo or you play it in multiple players, the artwork is so thematic here. You're playing Lord of the Rings probably in the best way possible, and it really does invoke that type of good versus evil dynamic. So, Anthony, what are you looking at here?
1: Oh, man, this is tough. St. Petersburg is one of those, like... Brilliant hidden gem euros, mostly just because you can't find it. Lord of the Rings, The card game is one of my top 10 games, period. And it's the card game. So it kind of fits this category and my personal tastes. I love the implementation of different types of resources you have available and all the different heroes and the deck building component. Uh, it takes all the cool things that, you know, I enjoyed about like magic 20 years ago and turns it into a soloable affordable card game i can play at home so lord of the rings for me all the way
0: yeah st petersburg is another grail game it's out of print it had a second edition that's kind of out of print so if you do get a chance to see it you're really going to enjoy this economic card building game but lord of the rings as you said the artwork and the dynamic play of those cards is so invocative of that lord of the rings theme that it definitely deserves to move on to our next round all right next up is our number seven seed lorenzo il Magnifico. Versus our number 10 seed, San Juan. Now, in Lorenzo, what you're doing here is you're choosing cards from a market that are going to allow you to build up resources, build up money, and then obviously build up different opportunities for victory points, whether they are in the purple cards or the blue cards. This is kind of an upgrade from the Grand Austria Hotel, and it really does it I mean, and it really does it in an amazing way how you implement those different cards because they're gonna trigger in a particular order that's gonna either make you win or just really fall far behind. Now, San Juan is another classic game that had a reprint. And once again, it's another these, another one of these games where the cards are buildings, but they're also money in the game. So you're gonna need X number of cards. So for example, if the building costs six you're going to need to discard six cards in order to build that building. It allows role selection to play the biggest part in this game. It's a small little kind of deck box game, but it's really a lot of fun. What do you got here, Anthony?
1: This is a really, really hard one. I mean, San Juan is kind of the beginning of the Euro, quote unquote, the card game craze, um, taking Puerto Rico and turning it into that just brilliant single deck uh, uh, game. But Lorenzo Magnifico, like, it's one of the better tableau builders I've played, period. And everything is about those cards. It's it's a really tough one because I really enjoy both of these games. I think for me, if we're looking at the game that has the most ingenuity and uh, you know interesting take on cards specifically, uh, I don't know. And we have Glory to Rome's already on here. It's kind of a similar idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm going to lean towards San Juan because I think it it is just the cards. Everything does multiple things you can again, the same reason I said cult you know the Castles of Burgundy card game throw it in your pocket and uh, it's, you're good to go. Um, and it's a classic and it keeps coming back. So San Juan for me.
0: Yeah, this is really hard. I'm, I love Lorenzo. it's it's probably one of my favorite new games and I love Tableau building. That's my favorite mechanic. And based upon these cards, how they're played in the row, how they activate is so much tremendous fun. but I can't ignore the fact, That this bracket is all about the cards. And the fact that San Juan's cards are not just buildings, but they're also currency in this game, really can't be ignored. So I'm going to put San Juan onto the next round. See, we're not just about cold of the new, guys. (laughs) Look at all these older games. There you go. All right, our next round is our number 8 seed, Dominion, versus our number 9 seed, Star Realms. Wow. This is a battle of the deck builders, Anthony, because Dominion is probably... The best known, the, I wouldn't say classic, but it really does feel like a modern day classic card game in which you're building up your little Citadel Dominion, utilizing a deck building mechanic in which there's just almost an endless number of expansions here that can allow you to create an endless number of games. And then guess what? Star Realms comes along, does it, I would say in some cases, people would argue, almost just as well, but with a smaller deck of cards in which you're trying to match together certain alliances so that cards not just do one thing, but do multiple things based upon the cards that are in play. These games are both great deck builders. Which one's in the cards for you, Anthony? Um, Yeah,
1: I I think mechanically, I can't really separate these and be like, this one is slightly better than this one, because if you look at both base games, they're both fine. When all the expansions come in, all the extra stuff, the alternate versions, uh, like Hero Realms for Star Realms, which brings in things like cooperative play, that's the kind of stuff that I always end up thinking about when I think about these two games. And so at the end of the day, for me, it's gonna be more about the theme and kind of feel that I enjoy the most. And in that case, it's gotta be Star Realms. It's the one I play the most. Um, I like Dominion, all Dominion lovers out there. Don't get angry, I promise. I still like it. Uh, but Star Realms is the one that I prefer. It's the one I own all the stuff for. (laughs) So Star Realms all the way.
0: Yeah, both of these are great deck builders. It's, It's kind of hard to put one above the other. I guess, obviously, that's why they're so close in the bracket here. I'm gonna go Star Realms just because the fact that the cards allow you to kind of build a particular alliance up, whereas Dominion cards do snowball together in a really interesting way. But Star Realms, right off the bat, You know what you're building towards, and that's really engaging. All right, so Star Realms moves on to the next round. So we are done with our card games for this round. Now we're moving on to Cardboard. And in particular, typically, when we're talking Cardboard, we're talking about Cardboard Chits. So now we're going to take a look at another bracket and how Cardboard Chits plays a huge role in these games. So starting off, our number one seed, Small World, versus our number 16 seed, Soro. Now, Small World is an area control game in which you are putting together uh, a fantasy race along with a special ability. And then, based upon that pairing, you're going to get a number of that race and a special ability that's going to allow you to dominate that literal small world. Now, in this game, you also get some great tokens, and the player pieces that kind of put together are really great, high quality cardboard chits not to mention the little chits that go along as far as your different races are concerned are really high quality. This is basically, it's a Days of Wonder game. Everything Days of Wonder does is high quality and everything here is fantastic. So it's it's really a solid competitor and, and definitely our number one seed. Now, Sorrow does something that's also very interesting because basically what you're doing here is you're playing tiles to a central map in order to move your stone around the board. Doesn't seem too dynamic, but the idea here is by placing a tile in a particular spot, you can move your stone to a a spot of safety, but you can move other people's stone right off the board and they just get knocked out of the game. It's a really fun and interesting and dynamic game which is basically a small set of cardboard tiles i don't have like a personal investment which makes it easy
1: right because then you just look at the game and you evaluate it purely based on what our criteria is so in this case i love the mechanic in syrup i love those tiles but come on it's a days of wonder game in the cardboard category small world has to be the
0: winner here yeah i really enjoyed both these games and i'm Financially committed to both of these. <laughs> but, you know, if you're talking about cardboard shits and having to manage so many different pieces of them, you really want it to be a Days of Wonder game. And pretty much Small World does an outstanding job here. So Small World moves on to the next round. All right. Next up, we have our number two seed, Caverna, versus our number 15 seed, Between Two Cities. So when we're looking at Caverna here, now Caverna has a lot of different components, including wooden components in this game but for me caverna is all about that cave in the forest that you're developing and utilizing these different cardboard little chit tiles in order to hollow out the cave build different buildings now if you haven't played caverna you're going to see there's just a ton of different rooms that you can build in that cave and it's really the most dynamic part of the game and also to build different farming areas in that forest So really kind of steps up what Agricola started off. Now, in between two cities, what you're doing is you're drafting these different cardboard chit tiles in order to build up your two little cities by matching up the best buildings possible in order to score the most victory points. So really here, it's all about these cardboard buildings and how they kind of come together to give you the best combination possible. So Anthony, if you're putting together your your little home, which which uh, cardboard tile are you going along with? <laughs> That's a good question.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny because when you say caverna, I, I do end up thinking of the car of the wood pieces a little bit more. But the cardboard really is like you're stacking those bits up. You've got your cave, you're growing and all the different things. Um, it's kind of expanding out there and all the different chits and you're upgrading your dwarves and sending them out and to do quests with their little uh, weapon hats or whatever you want to call them. And between two cities is really just pile of you know cardboard tiles that you're drafting (laughs) um (laughs) which is important and the artwork is great and it looks nice but it's kind of a a lighter filler game yeah i mean i'm gonna go with caverna just because there's so much about the components that is important um but i think it's important as well to point out that between two cities is a very good game that is almost purely cardboard (laughs) so um it does fit this category pretty well
0: yeah, Caverna, the K Farmers, does something that's so dynamic in their cardboard chit tiles because it takes the problem that everyone had with Agricola, which was the cards, and it puts it into those cardboard chit tiles. And that really is what the big difference is for me here. Between cities does a nice little job, but the artwork, and it's just not as dynamic as Caverna. So, Caverna moves on to the next round. All right, next up, we have our number three seed, Shipyard versus our number 14 seed, Optiplano. All right, in Shipyard, it is a dynamic rondelle game in which you are building up your ships in your shipyard. What's really fun and interesting about this game is you are picking different ship parts and building up different sized ships. So if you build up a very large ship, it might kind of fit your particular roll card that you need. But it's not only about how many different tiles of these cardboard tiles you're putting together, but it's also about these smaller chits that you can put on your ships. So you can put different passengers or captains, you can put different things on your ships, like you can have all of these lifesavers. Basically, there's there's chits on top of chits on top of chits here, and it's not just about the ships themselves, but it's also about where your ship is going, because – with these different cardboard tiles, you'll be able to build up a path for your ship itself that'll score you additional victory points. So, you're building the ship, you're putting things on the ship, and then you're guiding your ship through these different canals. Now, Altiplano is kind of a a different take on Orleans. Now, what you're doing here is you're pulling out these different resources and you're moving around these different islands to pick up additional resources in order to fulfill different orders that you need or to build up your own stock room. So you have these little cardboard islands, and you have these little kind of different resource cardboard chits in the game. And, of course, for some reason, you have a cardboard llama, because that's a thing. But it's really a beautiful, dynamic game, and it really kind of is an upgrade in certain circumstances from Orleans. All right, Anthony, which kind of island hopping are you going to be doing with these different cardboard chits?
1: (laughs) Uh, I, I almost want to give it to Altiplano based hundred percent on the cardboard llama. Um,
0: <laughs> Everybody just to, does
1: <laughs> just to troll you. Cause I know Shipyard's one of your favorite games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, we also have Orleans in this bracket and Altiplano is, it's much the same. I mean, it's beautiful. The artwork's fantastic. It's really evocative of the theme, but shipyard does some interesting, unique things with that cardboard. So it's not necessarily the highest level of production. It doesn't, look and feel necessarily like Altiplano but the cardboard is doing more on the table uh, than, and than in Altiplano so I'm going to go with Shipyard
0: yeah and that's what this, this, these brackets are all about what is that particular component doing and how much is it doing as far as the gameplay is concerned so as you said I'm going ahead with Shipyard alright so Shipyard moves on to the next round next up we have the Castles of Burgundy obviously the board game here versus Fresco. Now, The Castles of Burgundy is a modern-day classic. It's all about building up your own little territory by utilizing dice in order to pick up different buildings to place on your board. So when we're looking here, as far as you know, cardboard chits are concerned, we're looking at ships, we're looking at different animal tiles, we're looking at castle tiles. Really, it's kind of all the different tiles that you could possibly see in this particular time period. And based upon where you place these chits on the board, based upon the particular pattern here, you're going to score bonuses. So that's a really big part of the game. Now, fresco is all about painting this beautiful fresco together, but scoring points individually. Now, you're picking up these different small chits in order to pick up different paint swatches that you need in order to do a set collection in order to paint the right colors that are needed for the fresco. It has a lot of different interesting cardboard money and a lot of different expansions in order to kind of build up your little paint reserve, not to mention the little player boards that you that you hide your paint behind. And it's, once again, a really beautiful dynamic game here. As far as move, matching colors together, which, you know, Chick Game has it for you?
1: Uh, this is... A, the only reason this is hard is that Castles of Burgundy is kind of an ugly game like production wise it's it's cheap thin cardboard right <laughs> yeah but in fresco you know it's a nice production it's got this nice artwork everything's nice and solid but in fresco i think more of the the paint cubes and you know the workers out behind your screens like there's a lot of different stuff going on here um the board itself is very important like if you were talking about boards uh, in board games we're not necessarily talking about it's made of cardboard sure but that's not really what we're talking about um then that would definitely be something to look at. But in this case, the the way you build your tableau and all those different tiles and how they you know work together and how they score points together, like everything's based on those cardboard shits and how they interact in Castles of Burgundy. So um, yeah, it definitely deserves to be the number four in this category, and that's my vote.
0: So for me, as you said, it's all about set collection here of a certain color to score points, whether it's the Castles of the Burgundy the Bard game or Fresco here. I think the more attractive here, and and this is just kind of like a tiebreaker here, is Fresco for me. So that's going to be my choice. All right. So that's one each here. So, Anthony, what's our audience have to say about this? They uh, agree with me by a lot. Um, (laughs) Castle's of Burgundy got a very significant chunk of vote here. So that's one moving on. All right. Our next round is our number five seed, Orleans, versus our number 12 seed, Trajan. Now, in Orleans, what we're talking about here is basically a deck builder, but it's utilizing these small round chits in order to pick up different people that are going to help you create and to travel all all through Orleans, collect different resource chits in order to do set collections and trade those in for resources and points throughout the game. Now, in Trajan, what you're looking at here is you're looking at, (laughs) I guess it would be, a wonderful little mancala in which you are moving along the board in order to kind of pick up these different resource chits in order to kind of play these different mini-games here. So both games are about these different resource chits and these different kind of exploring actions on the board. So, Anthony, where do you want to go on these different adventures?
1: I already spoiled this one a little bit earlier when I was saying why I didn't pick Altiplano. (laughs) So um, I'm going to go with Orleans. Uh, I really like the bag building element, all those little cardboard chits that you throw into your bag, um, at least in the normal version. I know there's an upgraded version out there that nobody can find anymore. And then, you know, you're building out your own little tableau of these different tiles that take these different actions and and, and just the way everything interacts with the board. It's just a beautiful game to look at if you like that style of artwork. Um, but also, the cardboard pieces matter and are the core mechanism of the game. Um Trajan, they also matter, but there's like 12 mechanisms to the game. So nothing is the core mechanism of the game there. So I'm going to go with Orleans.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that too. Trajan has some nice, interesting gameplay between these cardboard little tiles. But Orleans, it's all about the bag building here. And it's all about once you play those tiles out to the board and utilize their actions about getting rid of them and trading them in. It's, it's just really interesting and dynamic. And that's why Orleans moves on to our next round. Next up is our number six seed, Castles of Mad King Ludwig, versus our number 11 seed, Whistle Stop. Now, Castles of Mad King Ludwig is all about building your own little mad castle by utilizing a market to build up these different, really ornate cardboard tiles that benefit, depending on where they're placed on your little kind of, I guess, castle tableau building. So if you have a building that benefits off yellow, it's a good chance if you can put a yellow there, you're going to get a a special bonus action. And obviously, if the tiles are positioned in such a way that you close off that room in the appropriate way, you're going to score an additional action. So those rooms in that final tableau you build is so satisfying because that's your great castle. Now, in Whistle Stop, it's all about a pick-up-and-deliver where you're moving trains along a map, but you're also building the map. So once again, it's another great, interesting little tableau building game that you're kind of putting together together with your opponent, but you're utilizing the best path possible. So Anthony, if you're putting together your own little world of tiles, which one is it going to be? Uh, This is
1: another one where you hit me with a game I like and a game I don't like. And now I have to ignore that part and think about which one does the cardboard better. Uh, And they both do it pretty well. This is the madness, (laughs) madness of what we do. Um, Uh, Yeah, I think the castles of Mad King Ludwig is the better use of cardboard here. They both have this cool, you know, you're building up the thing. And I really like how in Whistle Stop, you build the board, essentially. You start with a frame and you fill it in. It's a really cool idea. And it basically takes this uh, almost inaccessible style of of grid building that you see in like an 18xx game and turn it into a medium weight euro that is very accessible. But Mad King Ludwig is you have Dozens of tiles, all these different things. Every time you build your castle, it's slightly different. So I'm going to go with that one.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with that one too because the shapes are so different here where basically in Whistle Stop, you get that kind of one one type of hex shape. It's really fun. And it looks beautiful at the end, but having that kind of situation where you can build you know stairways going downstairs to basement levels or you can build park areas. And especially if you think about the expansion where you actually build moats, That's really a lot of fun. So, Castles of Mad King Ludwig moves on to the next round. Next up is our number 7 seed, Caverna. Cave versus Cave versus our number 10 seed, Photosynthesis. So, now in this matchup, what we're looking at here is, first off, a two-player version of Caverna. So, in Caverna Cave versus Cave, what you're looking at here is your Dwarf is kind of mining his way through his cave... And once you get to a certain spot where you can actually get that rock out of the way, that rock turns into a building. That that cave flips over and now it becomes a building in the market that you can kind of purchase in order to put back into your cave and build more resources and scoring opportunities. Now, Photosynthesis is a really interesting dynamic game. It's it's basically kind of boils down to an abstract, but really what sets it apart is these wonderful cardboard trees and the sun that moves around. And based upon where your trees are located in comparison to other trees, you can score victory points or block them from scoring victory points. If you've ever seen this game on the table, you will know it right off the bat. Really a fun, interesting, dynamic, abstract game. All right, Anthony, are you going to be out in the sunlight or are you going to be down in the caves here?
1: Oh, man, we already gave Caverna its due. And it's uh, this is a small game. There's not a lot in the box. The cardboard, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's cardboard, but Photosynthesis (laughs) is a beautiful three-dimensional game that has these fantastic 3D cardboard trees. I mean, how could it not be Photosynthesis in this case? This is just such a perfect implementation of cardboard in a board game.
0: Yeah, it's really nice to see Caverna's Cave versus Cave. It's, It's so fast and so fun, but the cardboard trees and Photosynthesis, and especially the sun moving around... Man, that's that's damn interesting. And I really like that game. And it moves on to the next round. All right. Next up is our number eight seed, a feast for Odin versus our number nine seed, Suburbia. Now, Feast for Odin is all about filling up your island with these really interesting, dynamic kind of omni dominoes that if you can just fit them the right way and utilize your coins, you can f- fill in those spots that's going to stop you from scoring negative victory points. And there's so many different cardboard chits in this game that it's all about the chits here. You know, there are some wooden components, but they really don't play as much of a role as the satisfying feeling of pleading that island and feeding your people there. Now, suburbia is all about building your own particular suburbia and matching up the tiles in such a way that's going to benefit you off their benefits and keep you away from those negatives, not to mention matching your own particular goal, which could be any number of different buildings that could be available and trying to accomplish those public goals that typically will kind of put you in a rough spot. You also have to manage your reputation and money throughout the game, but it's really a fun dynamic game. So Anthony, what are you doing here? Are you building a suburbia or are you filling up your island with Domino's here?
1: Polyominoes, all day long man <laughs> it's gotta be we already had castles of mad king and i see how you seated this you're like hmm I'll put these two games that you'd like next to each other pick suburbia because i don't like a feast for Odin. no because it's got to be a feast for odin because of the puzzle pieces um suburbia is great and i do like it significantly better than castles of mad king ludwig but the same reason that we didn't pick whistle stop is that all the tiles are the same shape and the way you build out your city looks fairly Pedestrian. A feast for Odin, however, you have dozens of different shaped tiles, hundreds of pieces of cardboard, two big giant trays that come just to hold all this cardboard, plus a separate board on which more cardboard is placed. There's just so much cardboard here, and it all comes together for a cardboard feast, if you will.
0: Yeah, I think that's an oddly shaped cardboard feast that might choke you at the table because (laughs) they're really weird. And not to mention that they're all different shapes, but I believe that they all flip over and then there's something different on the other side. So yeah, there's a lot of different kind of ways and that the cardboard chits come into play. Suburbia is a fantastic game. And despite Anthony's paranoia here, they both deserve to be on this list and so high up here. But I'm gonna have to go with a Feast for Odin because those chits do a lot of different things to this game and they move on to the next round. Now we move on to our next bracket, which is all about the wood components. Now, starting us off with our number one seed, Agricola, versus our number 16 seed, Junk Art. Now, Agricola here is all about the wood components, specifically because their animeeples really changed board gaming. Yes, there are a lot of cards in play that Anthony does not like, but the animeeples here, and when you actually do sow your vegetables and they grow, You're actually pulling from that little pile of vegetables from your farmland, which is like amazingly dynamic. Not to mention you're fencing in those different parts of your farmland to hold your Anna here. Really fun and dynamic, and it's all about the wooden pieces here. Now, Junk Art is a fantastic dexterity game about building a really uneasy structure based upon these cards. The pieces are beautiful and innovative, and it really makes an interesting design if you can get that high up. All right, Anthony, what are you talking about here? Is it the animeples or is it the interesting pieces of junk art?
1: Junk art doesn't exist without those cart without those wooden pieces, and in my opinion,
0: it's one of the better dexterity games
1: out there. I'm gonna go with junk art.
0: All right, well, you know what? It's got to be about the animeples here, so I'm gonna go with Agricola. All right, Anthony, what did our audience have to say about that?
1: Man, these guys, God, they were so close. They were so close to getting it right. <laughs> <laughs> By a difference of four. There you go. It's it's
0: Agricola. All right, so Agricola moves on to the next round. Next up is our number two seed, the Duke, versus our number 15 seed, Meeple Circus. Now, the Duke is a really interesting, I guess I, I would hate to say it this way, but it's an interesting version of chess because what you're doing out here is you're putting out these wooden Squares onto your board and on one side has one set of actions that you can utilize But once you move it based upon the diagram on that particular wooden square You flip it over and then there's another set of actions and attacks that you can do with that wooden square Not to mention there's a kind of like a a bag pulling that almost like a deck building that you can kind of pull out and play onto the board now, Meeple Circus is a fantastic, surprising game because it's basically doing what you always do in your games and, in this case, playing with the meeples. You're actually trying to follow these different cards that are going to tell you how they want you to build up your meeples and the anti-meeples the in this game and some other random elements. And if you can do it in the allotted time possible, you're going to score a lot of victory points. So, Anthony, is it all about the wooden square cubes for you or is it all about the random meeple circus
1: the duke is one of my favorite abstract games mm-hmm. um, i have it and a whole bunch of expansions for it but i don't know i mean the wood components make this game really sing but they're not necessary you could play the like if they made a version with plastic or even cardboard it would still work uh meeple circus is a whole bunch of meeples and all their little bits and pieces and you have to stack them again apparently this is the dexterity category for me but I don't think you could have meeples, especially all the different custom types of meeples they have here, if they were not wood. So I'm going to go with Meeple Circus, which surprises even me. But in this <laughs> case, I think it's the it's the better implementation of wood.
0: Yeah, it's even though it's a lower seed, it really deserves to be in this category. I'm going to pick the Duke, and I'll tell you why. I've yet to come across a game that actually gives you the rules on the pieces. So having this kind of etched in imprint of what the piece can do. And then having the other side being a different version of that is, is incredible. It's really, it's such a shockingly smart aspect that the wooden pieces come into play here. So I'm going to go with the Duke. All right, Anthony, we got a tie here. So what's our uh, audience saying? Are they going to, are they hip to be square or what?
1: (laughs) No, no. The, uh, I think this one is a case of the hotness winning out.
0: Um, and Meeple Circus takes it. All right, Meeple Circus moves on to the next round. All right, next up is our number three seed, Flick'Em Up, versus our number 14 seed, Carcassonne. Now, Flick'Em Up is a relatively new game, but it's an interesting dynamic dexterity game where you are challenging an opponent using your wooden meeples and flicking bullets and arrows at them and kind of utilizing the surrounding buildings and cacti, and all of these other obstacles. Now, in Carcassonne, this was a really hard pick to decide where does Carcassonne kind of come down. Does it come down on the, on the cardboard shit version here, or does it come down on the wooden meeple version? And for me, it broke. It, it had to be somewhere on, the, on in the brackets. And being that the meeple is the iconic image and figure of board gaming... It kind of landed that way, and in particular because you are using the meeples in a lot of different ways. They play a lot of different roles in the game, whether they're a robber or a farmer, whether they're laying down or standing up, and how they kind of count towards area control if a castle comes into play. All right, Anthony, are you flicking at other meeples, or are you laying them down in the great farmland?
1: Yeah, I think I I think I agree that Carcassonne, uh just on pedigree alone, you kind of have to pick it. And keep in mind, I mean, like flick them up. I guess it almost undermines itself in that there is a plastic version of the game you can go buy. Sure. So you know, Carcassonne though those iconic meeples, heck, half the half the games on this particular bracket wouldn't exist without those. So for me, yeah, Carcassonne.
0: Yeah, I think it's got to be Carcassonne here too, and and just because when it comes down into dexterity games, there are probably more dynamic dexterity games on this bracket. And the Carcassonne Meeple, while it's a simple mechanic, since it plays so many different roles, and since the Meeple, in a very simple way, does different things, it's got to be Carcassonne. All right, next up is our number four seed, Crokinole, versus our number 13 seed, the Pillars of the Earth. Now, Anthony, Crokinole is kind of like not just a classic game, but it goes so far back in history, kind of predates Board Game Geek and pretty much almost any kind of modern dexterity board game. And basically what you're he- doing here is 1v1, flicking discs, trying to get to the hole or trying to get knock out other people so you can score the most points possible. Now, The Pillows of the Earth is kind of a modern-day classic, and it's gotten a recent reprint, and it still has the kind of the classic resources in wood. But in particular, the cathedral that's built out of wood is kind of what the Pillars of the Earth is really known for. So having a beautiful board game at the table and building up this cathedral in wood is something that we hadn't seen before. So two great games. Anthony, are you flicking discs or are you building a church here? Yeah,
1: the Pillars of the Earth is fantastic. I hadn't had a chance to play it before, and I love building up that cathedral. I kind of want to paint it and put some stickers on it or something. Nice. Um, but it's just a round timer. It doesn't actually do anything in the game. You don't need it. So, uh, And that, up against one of the all-time classic best dexterity games, of course made of wood, um, I have to go with Crokinole.
0: Yeah, the Pillars of the Earth, as you said, I remember seeing pictures of that cathedral forever, and the story that goes along with it is amazing. And I don't know if it did have stained windows or something. But if it did more than being a round counter, it probably would win. But croconol is not just about flicking those discs. But when we're talking about wood components, there's just so many beautiful boards. And just even the standard board here is just beautiful. Croconol moves on to the next round. All right. Next up is our number five seed, the Oracle of Delphi versus a number 12 seed, Pitch Car. All right, in the Oracle of Delphi, basically what you're doing here is you're using Feld mechanics, but there's a lot of wood in this game. There's wood dice, there's wood buildings, there's wood ships. There's even wood monsters in this game. A lot of wood to go around. Now, versus Pitch Car, which is a dexterity game about flicking your little car around a wooden track that can be built in a whole number of different ways. All right, Anthony, it's all about racing here, which racing game is best for you
1: Feld all the way my friend uh and that's not because of my feelings about pitch car necessarily (laughs) but we do already have some wooden discs with crokinole we have uh some dexterity with meeple circus and this particular Feld and the way it uses all those different cool tokens made of wood um really just has a very interesting and unique feel from his other games and i really feel like that adds a lot to the board so I'm going with Oracle of Delphi.
0: This is a rough one for me, I I guess in particular because I do like how the board setup really kind of changes play. But I guess if you're talking about wood components doing different things, the dice, the monsters, the ships, wood does so much here. And I guess what we're talking about is wood. So wood moves on and here the Oracle of Delphi moves on to the next round. All right, next up is our number six seed, Clans of Caledonia versus our number 11 seed, Roll Through the Ages. All right, so Clans of Caledonia is, once again, utilizing wood components that you're going to have on initial player board that you're going to be able to pull off, put on the map, in order to score you victory points and resources throughout the game. Now, with Roll Through the Ages, what you're going to have here is giant wooden chunky dice, a wooden scoring board just for you alone, in which you're going to be able to move a little marker throughout that's going to show what resources you have available to score and to build different buildings in the game. Now, both of these games offer a lot of nice, high-quality wood. I love all the little bits for Clans of
1: Caledonia. It's uh, lots and lots of cool little bits that are yours personally, you're going to be filling up the the board space and kind of competing for those territories. But Roll Through the Ages has like this weird, almost handcrafted feel to it. I remember the first time I played it, I was like, is this a real game? Because you play like a Days of Wonder game and then you're playing this. And you're like, these are both made by companies that sell games to, to adults. But it like really captures the feel. Uh, so I, I kind of like those big chunky wooden dice and that little uh, personal board and your pegs. I'm going to go with Roll Through the Ages.
0: Yeah, this is a tough one. As you said, both have really nice wooden pieces, and Roll Through the Ages, I think, was supposed to be like a pub pub game. So it was all about the wood, and this game is going to last us a long, long time because nothing's going to wear this game down. It's all about the wood here. I'm going to go along with Roll Through the Ages. It moves on to the next round. All right. All right, next up is our number 7C, Tuscany, the Essential Edition. Versus our number 10 seed, Yamatai. All right, so Tuscany Essential Edition has so many different dynamic components to it. It has cards, it has wooden chits in the game. But really what makes the game so interesting and fun, especially in the Essential Edition of Tuscany, is the fact that you have these mamas and papas, these kind of large wooden meeples in the game. You have these star components that are going to allow you to control different areas, And once again, kind of like Fresco, you're going to have these roosters that are going to allow you to kind of start your game early with certain kind of special resources to kind of begin that round. Really fun and interesting components here. But versus Yamatai, which is a Days of Wonder game, and it's all about these beautiful, brilliant color wooden components on the board. Whether they're ships, whether they're buildings, it's a fantastic looking game okay anthony what do you think here which is going to be your your optimal vacation destination
1: yeah this is hard because anytime you put a days of wonder game in here you know the pieces are going to be fantastic but what Stonemeyer games did in tuscany and really in all their games in making everything look unique and feel unique and have a purpose Even if it's like a little wooden component that you're only going to use once the entire game or maybe even never use in the entire game, Viticulture in Tuscany kind of started that and all of their other games have kind of carried through with it. So I'm going to go with Tuscany because I really just like, I like the variety. It looks unique. You don't get that. I'm not, I'm a Euro lover all day long, so I don't mind bland components. But in this case, you know what everything does and it makes it easier to be like, grab your windmill, grab your whatever you're grabbing, you know, you can describe it and people can see it, not not grab your little blue round one <laughs> versus, um, you know, whatever else it might be. So, uh, yeah, Tuscany for me.
0: Yeah, both these games have fantastic components, not just the wooden pieces here, but the cardboard, the paper here. Everything's interesting. Everything's dynamic here. It's, it's really a hard pick here. You know what? I'm going to go with Yamatai here just because... You know, just just the way the board looks once it's all built up really is fantastic with the wooden components. All right, Anthony, so we have a tie here. Let's go to our audience pick. Who moves on to the next round?
1: All right, so the audience, uh, they like wine. They have chosen Tuscany Essential Edition.
0: All right, Tuscany Essential Edition moves on to the next round. And for our last matchup in our wooden components is our number eight seed, Five Tribes, versus our number nine seed, Terra Mystica. Okay, so Five Tribes is all about utilizing a Moncala mechanic in which you are dropping different color meatballs on tiles in order to activate specific actions and abilities, not to mention dropping down camels, dropping down arches. It's really a beautifully colorful game with these wooden components. Now, on the other side, Terra Mystica kind of like built this wooden component aspect into the game because... The game is all about your personal board picking up these different wooden buildings and placing them on the board. And once you do, you reveal a special resource and ability that you'll be getting each, every round. Not to mention, you will have these different shapes, kind of basic shapes, but these different colorful shaped wooden pieces on the map as you're building up your civilization. Okay, Anthony, so if it's all coming down to utilizing those active meeples or those buildings, which way you're going.
1: So Five Tribes is, again, I just said this before with Yamatai, but it's a Days of Wonder game and it's beautiful and all the pieces are fantastic and there's so many of them in the box. And whether you're picking wood up off the board or putting new wood pieces down on the board, you're always handling something that looks and feels like what you're supposed to be handling, the camels and trees and all this stuff. Terra Mystica is unique in how it uses the wood pieces, but they're kind of awful wooden pieces so uh you know they, they look like oversized leftover Catan pieces i like it it's one of my favorite games and i love those components but in terms of you know best wooden components i i have to go with five tribes here they just the colorfulness the different varieties the sheer volume of them um is another one that just looks fantastic when you're done playing on the board
0: yeah it's really hard to pick here for me as well five tribes different wood pieces that come into play versus Terra Mystica, which is all about putting those wooden pieces onto the board and then revealing a special ability that then comes into play. Uh, This is a really rough one, but I'm going to say, and this is just kind of by a split hair, I'm going to go with Five Tribes, just because picking up that handful of meatballs and then placing them on the board, you know, it's, it's a real kind of dynamic action there you're really doing something that really feels like you're you you know you're really doing something big whereas Terra Mystica I spent the resources for this and I'm putting that kind of weirdly shaped square onto the board so it just does a little bit more all right so that's the end of our wooden bracket now on to our plastic bracket now here we're all talking about plastic and how dynamically it plays into the gameplay Our number one seed is Star Wars X Wing Miniatures Game. Now, versus our number 16 seed, the newcomer, Lords of Hellas. Now, X Wing Miniatures Game uses the flight path action, and you have these really beautiful, dynamic, well painted miniatures from Fantasy Flight Game that show off the, you know, not just the theme, but really almost the identical looking ships from the Star Wars universe. Whereas Lords of Hellas is its own little universe. But what's really interesting here is not just its massive amounts of meeples for your army. These giant plastic, I wouldn't even call them miniatures. They're kind of like bigotures that come into play that are assembled throughout the game. All right, Anthony, is it a galaxy far, far away? Or have the Lords kind of won your favor? Yeah, it's, it's telling that Lords of Hellas
1: popped on this list before it's even out. I backed it. I don't have it yet. But... Looking at the game, like, those monuments are just spectacular. And it's not just that they're big. It's that you build them throughout the game, and the pieces come apart, and you're... Ugh, they're so cool. And they're integral to the gameplay. Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures game, however, has brilliant, beautiful, fully painted versions of all of the iconic ships from Star Wars. And they... The flight path system and how they work and the scale and the scope of the game and this the interaction of these different miniatures on the board and the larger ones they have for like the Millennium Falcon or Slave One or the Ghost from Rebels. As a lifelong Star Wars fan, this is like what I dreamed of existing when I was 10 years old. Uh, and it's all because of those plastic miniatures. So it's Star Wars X-Wing all the way.
0: Yeah, it's really great to see another fantastic miniatures game come to the market in Lords of Hellas especially, as you said, with those monuments being built up and having a different gameplay element. What's interesting here about the flight pass system is the miniatures really do matter. And based upon how they're facing and those really interesting dice that come into play, which are also plastic, it plays such a big role in the game. So I'm going to go with Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures game and they're going to move on to the next round. All right, next up is our number two seed, Rising Sun, versus our number 15 seed, Azul. Now, Rising Sun is also a brand new game that was recently released through Kickstarter, and it's all about these fantasy clans fighting for control of feudal Japan, and it's not just about these fantastic little mentors that come into play, but of course it's a Simon game, and it's from Eric Lang, and now you're bringing these wonderful monsters that come into play. Now, whereas Azul is a fantastic abstract game utilizing beautifully colored and decorated tiles, that you'll pick up from a central kind of market area to place in your own board based upon how many tiles you have, they come into play, and you build a really beautiful little pattern here. Okay, Anthony, is it all about the miniatures or all about the pattern here for you?
1: Uh, I think you will find in the next 10 or 15 minutes that it is all about the miniatures (laughs) all day long. Uh, Rising Sun is just just spectacularly beautiful. Whatever we think anybody thinks about the game, you have when you look at it, it's just such a magnificent uh, presentation. And Rising Sun uh, is definitely my pick here.
0: Yeah, if Rising Sun was just about generic miniatures that were highly detailed, then it really wouldn't be enough, and Azul would win this contest. But the miniatures are specialized. Some can't be targeted. Some are able to utilize different powers in the game, and the plastic coins that come in the game are actually very nice, and it's part of the bidding action here. So Rising Sun moves on to the next round. Next up is our number three game, Blood Rage, versus our number 14 game, Cyclades. All right, now Blood Rage is another Eric Lang game, and it's all about Vikings fighting for control, and hopefully fighting for honor, because at some point they're gonna end up in Valhalla. It utilizes fantastic miniatures, and great monsters that come into play and, and dominate the board. Versus the Clades, that is also another dudes-on-the-map game, which has fantastic little armies, and again, fantastic miniature monsters that come into play in order to help your side claim victory. So, Anthony, which of the gods are on your side here?
1: Yeah, I mean, these are both fantastic games, but again, you've got a Simon game. They've got miniatures in their name, and Bloodrage is... It's not quite on par with what they put out in Rising Sun, not to be expected because it's like an iteration of it. But this was one of the first games where I was like, wow, you can do some really amazing plastic in a type of game that I enjoy with these Euro mechanics. And they're they're decently integral to the game. Like you feel like they're part of it. So for me, it's Blood Rage.
0: Yeah, I love Cyclades and I love the monsters. And that was kind of that was the forebearer of a lot of these other miniatures games that, that Simon brought out later but the plastic monsters that come into play don't always stay in play. So they don't have as much of a role as they do in Blood Rage, which even if they get knocked out, you can recruit them again and bring them back out to the board. So my vote is Blood Rage, and Blood Rage moves on to the next round. Next up is our number four seed, Star Wars Imperial Assault, versus our number 13 seed, High Heavens. Now, Star Wars Imperial Assault is a campaign game that utilizes tactical fighting and fantastic miniatures in the Star Wars universe, not to mention a, an ATST. Now, if you know what I mean, you're going to kind of like get what I'm saying here. It's 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 once again, a gigantic little miniature here that comes into the play. Great little dice. This is a fantasy flight game. Really just a lot of things right here versus High Heavens, which is a two-player game. Once again, as Anthony's favorite. It's all about the gods, the different pantheons come into play. What's great about High Heavens is not just that it has fantastic miniatures in this game, which all of these different games typically do, but it utilizes a ring system that kind of tracks life, poison, battle ability, and even armor throughout the game. So you don't have to constantly ask, uh, "What's the health at there? What's you know, what's the armor? What's what's the battle points?" You can actually see it. So the god is higher up based upon all those different rings below it. All right, Anthony. Is it a galaxy far, far away, or are you up with the High Heavens? (laughs) Let me just
1: say first off that I love High Heavens. It's a really, really good game. Um, But it's up against Star Wars, so (laughs) sorry, High Heavens. Uh, Imperial Assault, it it takes that Doom slash Descent formula, um, which is the one versus many dungeon crawl. It then iterates on it, makes it better, adds a skirmish mode, which is all any Star Wars fan wants luke versus darth vader right there and it has now released hundreds of miniatures from the star wars universe including things like that atst like a wampa like a rancor um like jabba the hut these big miniatures that look amazing and yeah of course they're integral to the game because it's star wars you want to have luke skywalker running around so uh yeah it's star wars imperial assault all day
0: Yeah, I mean, Star Wars does a great job. You know, I'm going to go with High Heavens just because I've played so many of these tactical miniatures games. And as I said before, not knowing the health points, not knowing all the different things that come into play without having to check a chart or a map, just being able to see it with those discs really does make the big difference here for me. So I'm going to go with High Heavens. All right, Anthony, that brings us down to our audience. What do they have to say?
1: Alrighty, so uh, yeah, the pop culture crowd
0: uh, here came out strong. Uh, Star Wars Imperial Assault has more votes. All right, so Star Wars Imperial Assault moves on to the next round. Next up, Memoir 44 versus Rivet Wars Eastern Front. Now, Memoir 44 is an- another Days of Wonder game that utilizes the Man in Colors system in which you're playing cards in order to move different troops throughout the map. What's really fantastic about this miniatures game is it plays great for board gamers and war gamers alike. It's so interesting to see that that actually works out here. You have finely crafted miniatures that depict World War II and all the different campaigns versus Rivet Wars Eastern Front, which is kind of a alternate universe World War One with these kind of chibi miniatures that are really highly detailed, utilizing these steampunk types of tanks and planes that come into play. And what's what, what's really fun about the game is it has the rivet system, which allows you to give different tanks and machines in this game bonuses based upon putting different heroes and little turrets on these different things. So it has a little bit of an extra level of tactical gameplay here. All right, Anthony. It's all about the plastic green troops on the board. Which one are you gonna step on throughout this game?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, Rivet Wars looks really nice. It's another, again another team on game. It looks it's very cool, kind of out there. Uh, but Memoir Forty Four, it manages to kind of pull you in a, a, into the theme, and you really feel like you're playing one of these war games without all the heavy overhead of one of these war games i'm really glad we got at least one command and colors game on here because it's one of my favorite uh, skirmish systems and memoir 44 is kind of the game that kicked it off and made it all work so i'm gonna go with memoir 44.
0: yeah rivet wars eastern front does a lot of if not all of the same things Memoir 44 does why i'm going to go with rivet wars eastern front is the rivet system being able to add additional plastic pieces on top of your own already strong tanks and Special Ability Machines really adds an extra dimension to utilizing the plastic pieces here. All right, Anthony, we got a tie here. Let's go to our audience and see who breaks the tie here.
1: All righty, so the tie uh, was broken, and it's a
0: miniatures game about World War II, (laughs) Memoir 44. (laughs) All right, so Memoir 44 moves on to the next round. Next up is our number six game, Arcadia Quest, versus our number 11 seed, Mechs versus minions. Now, Arcadia Quest is another campaign dungeon crawl game that's utilizing these chibi fantasy characters. But here you have a team. You have a team of three that goes into the dungeon in order to knock around NPCs, try to hit a particular goal, try to move up these different campaign systems versus at least, you know, up to four players fighting against you trying to compete at those goals. Versus mechs and minions which is a programming game in which you are cooperating, trying to face down in this League of Legends-type game that has brilliant, brilliant miniatures in this game as far as the opponents and your starting player companions. All right, Anthony, it's all about the cutesy, cutesy little plastic miniatures here. Which which kind of adorable faces are you going to be going with? (laughs) Yeah,
1: Arcadia Quest's miniatures are... Just so cool to look at. And I have a big pile of them on my desk that I'm painting because they're the most fun miniatures I own to paint. Um, I alternate between those and Star Wars, but they're way more fun to paint than Star Wars. Um, so much gray in Star <laughs> Wars. Uh, but next versus minions, not only do you get all of the the main characters you're going to use are fully painted out of the box, all of the minions that you face are washed. So they're not just a plain colors, they have the contours already in them, plus Let's factor in, and we haven't really talked about this for any of these other games, but if we're talking about plastic, the insert for this game is among the best you'll ever see in a board game. And I know, like, Riot cheated a little bit. I feel like this is a game that just came out of nowhere. They're going to make the one board game. That's all they're ever going to do. And it's just going to end up on these lists over and over again for top components. Um, But there's a reason for that. And if anybody else made this game, it would cost twice as much. Uh, So as much as I love Arcadia Quest and as much as I love those little chibi miniatures and all six thousand of them i have all over my house now uh mechs versus minions just does so much cool stuff with that plastic
0: yeah both have great plastic and as you said arcadia quest those miniatures are really nicely done and uh, it's hard here because mechs and minions the scenarios are a lot of fun too i'm gonna go you know what i'm gonna go with arcadia quest just because of the minions here, because the NPC monsters that come in Arcadia Quest are fantastic, whereas the minions that come with Mex versus minion are kind of generic. So I'm going to go Arcadia Quest, which leads us off to a standoff here. So, Anthony, which is our favorite audience chibi collection?
1: Yeah, so uh, that's a good point about the, the, the minions. Definitely much better in Arcadia Quest. So, asked everybody out there, and they... Like the mechs versus minions in terms of components.
0: All right, so mechs versus minions move on to the next round. Next up is our number seven seed, Mystic Veil vale versus our number 10 seed, Ages of Empire 3 The Age of Discovery. Now, Mystic Veil vale doesn't have miniatures. I know, shocker here. But once again, this bracket's all about plastic. And the plastic here is all about these plastic card sleeves and these kind of plastic inserts that allow you to do a card crafting system. So it's a press your luck game in which you're building up cards, purchasing different inserts, to kind of have a real powerful hand that's gonna allow you to gain the most points possible versus Age of Empire 3, the Age of Discovery, which is all about these, these different miniatures that are all about conquest, all about religious conversion, all about exploring these different areas in the new world and in a triggering mechanic that's very similar to dominant species. All right, Anthony, is it about the sleeves or is it about the, the conquest for you? <sighs> wow. Yeah, I don't know. This is
1: a hard one. I think I'm going to go with Mystic Veil just because, A, everything else here has been miniatures. So let's mix it up. But also, this the card crafting system and the use of plastic cards in general is just such a cool, unique idea that we're now starting to see in a lot of other games. People are pulling it in. They're using it in their own games. Simon recently had Hate that kind of used a similar system. So it's kind of created a new idea and a new way to use plastic in board games. And it does it really well, especially with all those expansions. So Mystic Vale is cool.
0: Yeah, both of these games, really dynamic gameplay as far as the actions are concerned because the miniatures do play a big part, even in how they trigger throughout the game. But as you said... The plastic card crafting system is is so much fun, so different. So, it's so unusual that Mystic Veil vale moves on to our next round. All right, so for our final matchup, we have our number 8 seed, Santorini, versus our number 9 seed, Sagrada. All right, so in Santorini, it's all about building up this kind of mystical Greek island that are utilizing these different buildings in order to try to get on top of the stack before your opponent stacks it off utilizing special god abilities and these two different gods that come on your team versus Sagrada, which is all about placing dice into this stained glass system in order to build the best stained glass possible. All right, Anthony, is it all about the beauty of the stained glass or all about the beautiful Greek city island? I love
1: both of these games. Uh, They're both just these great unique twists on kind of uh, abstract mechanics. I'm going to go with Santorini on this one, though, just because... The quality of plastic here, that it's not like miniature quality plastic where you worry if one of your kids grabs it, they're going to snap something off. These are toy quality plastic. They get thrown around the house. They get stacked up with other toys. They play with the Pokemon and they come out unharmed. Um, but also just the way it builds this amazing 3D game board. And to have this type of abstract game with those 3D elements you kind of need these larger pieces like this combined with little miniatures. And if you have the extra baseboard with a little mountain that comes up out of the water, it's just a beautiful production. And you wouldn't think you need all that extra production for uh, an abstract game, but it really helps get it to the table in a way that most other abstract games do not. And I own a lot of them. So uh, in this case, I think the plastic is important for multiple reasons, both aesthetic and just functional. Um, So Santorini for me.
0: Yeah, often you hear the the kind of comment about like he's, you know, he's he's so smart he's playing 3D chess. Well, Santorini is kind of like 3D chess because it's all about these extra dimensions that come into play in this abstract game and it's beautiful for sure, but it's so mentally taxing in a great way because I go here, they go there, they have that other character they place it on top of here and they place these other pieces and the pieces do play a big part. Not just trying to get you know, to the top of one, but kind of build out and block your opponent. So Plastic plays a big, great role here. And I'm going to go with Santorini, and Santorini moves on to the next round. All right, so that's everything for our first round of 32 in our component March Gamer Madness. Stay with us for next week, where we take on our next couple of rounds. And then the third final week, we will crown our winner and also crown whoever came closest to winning our March Gamer Madness. All right, until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save all of you a seat at the table.